Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert. And my purpose in life is to encourage people to live positively with and through the many and very challenges of life. This is an exciting show for me because I have my amazing friend Brad Zollis co-hosting. Introduce yourself, please, Brad, and introduce our guest and your uh, friend. Thank you, Tom. It's uh, always an honor to team up with you, my friend. Uh, my name is Brad Zollis, and uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm the international best-selling author of Liquid Leadership, which delves deeply into new management styles for the 21st century. Uh, I've also done uh, TEDx talks, and uh, I've worked with uh, uh, Tony Robbins recently. And uh, my subject that I usually focus on is the generational issues in today's world. And um, that leads us to today's guest. This young man is something else. And i got to tell you, Tom, you may not know this, but uh, Tom used to complain about millennials till he met me. Right, Tom? <laughs> I thought I was a crotchety old man. Well, you still are a crotchety old man, but I wanted to point <laughs> out he learned a little bit about millennials um, just because of me. And every once in a while, you run into a superstar, and you kind of scratch your head, and you go, man, this person has what it takes. And I met uh, Lee uh, probably, I think it was two, three years ago through Wendy Schweifler. Uh, she was doing an interview and um, I got on the call and we started talking together and uh, I got to meet Lee. So let me introduce Lee real quick. Lee Constantine started in content marketing and got into journalism for a bit, owned a magazine, did lead generation for a consulting firm and now writes for funded startups and helps unique authors get their books published. He is head of author success at Publicizer, a Kickstarter meets Tinder for publishing company. And uh, I'm also involved with Publicizer. They're helping me do Liquid Leadership 2.0. And let's welcome to the show somebody that's amazing to me, Lee Constantine. <laughs> yep. Brad, thanks for uh, Brad and Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to uh, great to be talking to you guys. Surely. Hey, uh-huh. I, want, I I want to say thank you. the The publicizer model is amazing, and I've had a great uh, experience so far. We're not done with my my campaign, but man, it's uh, it's exciting to see this sort of crowdfunding model where uh, 
for those of you who are listening who don't understand, Publicizer actually takes authors and their books and puts it out to the marketplace. And if there's enough crowdfunding uh, kind of interest in it, then there becomes a feeding frenzy with other public, uh, publishers, publishers of books. Um, so it really uh, is a different model, uh, rightly. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Publishizer is kind of like a, a validation or, or a method of validation for an author's book. So uh, I get to work with a lot of cool authors, yourself included, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to see um, how authors are able to get their book out there, and then once they, they reach, like, a level of validation in the market, uh, yeah, we, we start connecting with publishers, and we get to like be present with the authors that entire experience so it's, it's really really cool well, very cool i uh subscribed and i've been loving the emails and uh what a fa- and i uh i purchased a pile of brad's books so uh, i must have gone to you so amazing um yeah. now uh, this is a mistake i make lots of times so i'm not going to do it this time uh, often I don't give the person's website until the end of the show, and I'll give it because I can speak Canadian and American. So <laughs> let me share it. So it's Publishizer, so P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-Z-E-R, or for Americans it's I-Z-E-R, but it's Publish and then I-Z-E-R. What do you guys say, Z or Z? It's, uh, or we say Z, published Shizer. So Okay, actually, so the rest of the I mean, world says Z, because yeah. I Googled this recently. But uh, okay. amazing website, and what a, an amazing idea you've got there. Yeah, it's uh, published Shizer. I mean, founded by uh, Guy Vincent. He's the CEO, the founder. Um, I started working with him for uh, quite a while ago. And uh, yeah, just a lot of cool things have been happening over the past year and a half. And... Yeah, Publishizer. It's a uh, it's a great platform for authors, and um, we've seen some some really cool things happen in the past six months. And a hot website. Yeah, this is brand new. So basically, uh, the websites have gone through like a lot of revamps in the past. Again, in the past six months, it used to be like really like driven on this proposal for book authors to put up their proposal, and then we'll query that directly to publishers right on the platform. But it's kind of uh, it's kind of like an old school UI, so we updated it um, to uh, just a really forward-looking, like bootstrap, uh, a UI that really makes authors' books look awesome. Uh, we've taken away a lot of stuff and streamlined the entire process. So uh, a lot of good feedback so far. But thank you. Yeah, I love it. So uh, because uh, I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor, I gotta ask: Have you read Think and Grow Rich? Yeah, of course. I think I actually think Think and Grow Rich was one of the very first books I picked off a bookshelf, like really interestingly. Like uh, when I first started reading books, I would go to Barnes and Nobles. Obviously, for some reason, this book was like uh, front and center in the business section, and uh, yeah, that was one of my first books I think ever. Uh, I I don't want to say first ever, but I, I've definitely read the book a long, long time ago. Probably worth reading again. Definitely, and and uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation, one of their concerns for the future is that uh, young people may not read it because it has examples from you know the early 1900s and uh, people that they don't necessarily associate with so exciting to hear that a millennial uh, read the book and loved it 
Yeah, it was uh, interesting. I mean, a lot of I think some books like Napoleon Hills are are there's a timeless concept in them, timeless concepts in them that just they don't change over time. But I think the experiences that generations uh, have to I guess apply those principles to their their time or or, or their lives, I think that requires like updates over time, or that requires people to uh, expand on his idea in new books or in new ways or in or new ways of getting in, let's say, millennials' hands. Yeah. Right. Brad, I'll yeah. let you ask a question because otherwise I'm going to sure. hog this interview. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to agree with uh, Lee on this because when you first start reading Napoleon Hill's work, uh, you go, oh, okay, I get this. And it, and it is written in a style that uh, harkens back to the 1930s. And but it's a starting point, and a lot of things have been reinvented since then um, that add on to this. And, I, and I'm a big fan of this. This is almost like, you know, you go back and if you look at, um, let's say, automobile engine theory, and you read the works of Henry Ford, uh, but then you move forward in time and you look at, um, you know, Elon Musk at Tesla, and so uh, you need the the body of the work, I think, to understand. Uh, for yourself individually, what success is. And, um, you know, for you, what I've always found with Lee is, uh, you may not know this, Tom, but uh, Lee and I do conference calls on Skype and, you know, video calls and we're all the, and Lee is always in a different place on planet Earth. (laughs) So if you want to talk a little bit about that, because we're, we're living in a day and age where you can be a digital nomad um, and, you, you know, you, the economy happens wherever you go to. Am I right, Lee? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to say, uh, like, for a long time, like, I heard the term digital nomad when I started traveling a bit and doing my job from anywhere I wanted. And I don't know if, like, I love the term or if I could, like, call myself that uh, an actual nomad, but I think it's been such a long time and I've kind of gone – to so many different places and I've been able to do the same exact thing and be just as product, uh, just as effective or as productive anywhere. Um, so like, I, I think I rightly own, um, like that term now digital nomad. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of like traveling around or not necessarily traveling, even just, um, work on your own terms. It's like bringing a, uh, healthier work-life balance into your life where you don't, um, you don't live to work. You actually work to live. And I think that's kind of the, the new idea that maybe more millennials have, but um, just more people in general are accepting this kind of lifestyle. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to go back. I don't think I will ever go back to, let's say, maybe not corporate, but um, I mean, if I don't have the freedom I have now, it's, it's hard to give something like that up once you've experienced it for, for a long time. Right. And now you're talking to an old person here, and and I work entirely from home now. And uh, I just realized today I haven't been outside the condo since Sunday afternoon. So I was like, I better go to the dry cleaner or make up a reason to get out of the out of the condo. But also in the summer, we go to nice cottages on the weekend and trailers and camping. I plop up Mm -hmm. my computer on a Saturday morning before everyone gets up. I update my website, respond to emails, and. And so I had to get used to in the middle of the day if I was like, oh, I drove my mother-in-law to the doctors and I'm thinking, I should be working. It's like working hours here. Like, oh, what am I doing taking a break? And, you know, going to Whole Foods, Kim asked me, my wife, can you go pick up this? And I'm like, it's during the business day. 
But it's so amazing. If you can work any 24-7, seven days a week, there is no business hours, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I think it depends on, you know, what kind of lifestyle you have or what that freedom means to you. I mean, um, I have probably, like, uh, <laughs> I like to say, like, the healthier work-life balance, like, more so than I ever had before. Like, um, but I guess that's what I want. And if I have... If I'm working less and being more productive, that's uh, that's really good. So therefore, like if I travel to Bali or if I travel to Bangkok or Peru and I work from there, I can explore the culture. I mean, that's that's the freedom I want. But at the same time, um, if your goal is also to to grow your company by X amount every month, or if it's to, um, you know, it, you're, I think the point is like your goals come into play quite a bit, and you have to decide if they're big enough. Um, to to maintain this lifestyle or, or to go to where you want to go in the next two to five years, let's say. So, so you're like Tim Ferriss, right? The four hour work week. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Tim Ferriss. I mean, he he started this whole. I, I don't. I mean, he kind of maybe he didn't start the idea, but he was the first one to pioneer that, like on a mass level. Yeah. And I think everyone's read that at this point. And there's been hundreds of variations like book-wise and podcasts and blogs that so just speak about the same thing. And, yeah, I mean, once you get into this freedom economy, I think they're calling it, I mean, and you experience, um, like, some success or you're able to do it, uh, yeah, like I said, it's very hard to, to go back from that. Well, they, um, Daniel Pink called it the free agent nation. And uh, I think, the you know, the tone of this entire podcast, really, with, with you, Lee, is, this is about being disruptive in the traditional markets and still make a living doing what you love to do. Uh, a lot of baby boomers, myself included, that every time Tom says he's an old man, I cringe because I think Tom and I are the exact same age. Uh, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is we were always taught you must go to an office and sit there, and from 9 to 5, you must work and get work done. And then at 5.30 or 6 o'clock, you go home, and there was a point in our lives where when you left work, you didn't work. You went home, and you sat and watched TV or now with your wife, your parents, your friends, or whatever. But somehow when the computer came into the household and laptops got invented, this solid line between work and not work now became very fuzzy and blurry. And I think your generation really is the first generation to try and figure out what that time management model looks like for you. And maybe you can you can tell a few people who are listening, Lee, especially boomers who may not be able to let go, uh, who still are in that nine to five. I got to fill this bucket called time. You know, eight <laughs> hours of time to fill in this bucket. And maybe give a word of advice on how this new work style, how they can actually do it, maybe. Yeah, so, I mean, there's been, like, a lot of studies going around that they get passed around that so much where, you know, mainly Google is, like, one of the first people to, like, be outspoken about this, where actually um, if you can take away work time from employees and give them time to work on their own projects and say you're not allowed to work uh, for Google on Fridays. You have to come into the Google campus, but you can't work on anything Google-related. Um, like, it improves morale, but at the same time, they only have those first four days, Monday through Thursday, to get their work done. And they found out that they're actually more productive or as productive as if they worked five days. So people, like, if you have a nine-to-five or a specific duration of time to work, you're going to, like, 
do things to fill that time instead of being as productive as possible. Right. So I think that's what more people are starting to realize. And if you have a laptop, it just makes things, I guess, easier because you're always connected. Yeah. Even with your mobile phone, you can yeah. work from it or you can communicate. Uh, I mean, people can take off the last three hours of work, but then you know, go home at six and start working for another three hours and catch up on work. Whereas you, I don't think you could do that as easily, um, I guess, before now. And I think on the flip side of that, uh, you get a lot of entrepreneurs and people who love to work and they just don't stop working, which is a good thing. Right. Um, but they, they, I think once they find out when they disconnect and they leave the laptop at work and they bring a book home instead, it's, it's, so much more fulfilling and you find out, okay, if I'm not going to bring my laptop home, I have to find a way to be productive at work. And once you figure that out, like, wow, I can be productive in two days instead of five days and um, have a, have way more free time and more freedom than I originally did. All right. I've, I've started to work a little bit more that way as well, Lee, because I had a couple of days where I just, I didn't feel like doing anything. It's the summer here. We got a little bit of a heat wave going. And I thought, you know what, let me take a break. And and the, you know this, Tom, the, the entrepreneur in me, my dad yelling at me, <laughs> are in my head. And I'm like, you know, you need to get up off the couch, bucko. You know, these things are going in my head. And I'm just saying, well, yeah, but I'm a 21st century entrepreneur. But then the next two days... I got up and I had it in me to just crank out so much work, and I did. And I, I did more in two days than I did in, in four just sitting in front of the computer trying to fill time. So it's a different type of time management, and I think, Lee, you, you've given uh, our listeners uh, something to really glom onto and kind of uh, go, okay, I'm going to try this and, and see how it works. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm Back loving it. Yeah, I'm loving fun. it. Take it over. You're the yeah. next next question. Uh, so, uh, Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, most of his writings, they're really aimed at entrepreneurs, as you know, Lee. Um, and it's, it's very rare that an entrepreneur comes up with a brand new, never-before-seen concept or idea. Uh, they do things that have already been done. And although you publish Sizer is cool and different, it's it's been done, but you're doing it in a different way. Is that right? Um, well, I mean, authors have published books before. I mean, there's different avenues to go about that. You connect it and do creator sales. So, like, uh, what authors are doing is not necessarily different. I think just the the medium or the means by which they reach a goal is right. uh, is more efficient or it, it results in uh, a better outcome in less time, let's say. Right. Let's say like when I was young, uh, or back in the old days, if you wanted to publish a book, like, you had to know a publisher, and, you know, it better be a bestseller, and it was not easy to publish a book. But in today's day and age, there are all kinds of op- options for publishing books, and yours is the coolest one I've come across. Yeah, I mean, self-publishing is a big deal. Self-publishing, like the ebook way, or even like a print copy, you can go up on Amazon. You can actually, I think, even by the end of 2017, start putting your books in actual Barnes and Noble bookstores without a publisher. But again, you have to like apply to do this. It's just becoming like more easy for anyone who can write a book to to get their their book out there. 
but um, I, which is a very good thing because it's very difficult. Ninety-six percent of authors just don't get their book published. They're not able to if they want to. So um, like these new ways to get the book out there are really good. It lowers like the rejection rate. It increases books out in the market. Um, but at the same time, that still doesn't have the credibility as, uh, as you would have with the publisher. So there's certain things, and that's the angle with Publishizer where we're not advocates of self-publishing. Like you can self-publish, that's great. Um, but if you want to be like in the top 4% or in the top 10% of authors, um, getting a publishing deal is, is the way to go. And um, you have to take it like very methodically and do the right thing. So we, that's exactly what we help authors do. And a lot of authors who just go and self-publish um, remain uneducated about how to methodically get your book published in the right way. Right, right. And if you have a publisher, that's the best way to do it. What I like if about you have, uh, what I love about Publicizer is um, it it creates a feeding frenzy for your book. Right. You know, I wanted to do Liquid Leadership 2.0. Uh, and I approached Lee with, hey, I'd like to relaunch my book, but I'd like a, a publisher that wasn't, say, a hybrid, and uh, that's where you pay to play, basically. And uh, mm -hmm. what happened is, so far, we're right in the middle of my campaign, and um, I, I think I have the most public, publishing houses uh, that are looking at my work. Uh, that's right. That you've seen so far. So this creates a market... Uh, that the the publishing houses can see and start saying, you know what, we're going to get involved with this author. So they can, it's really reinventing the model of publishing because publishing in the past, you pointed some of this out, Tom, they had to pick you right. or, or you had to earn it. You know, that's why you saw so many New York Times uh, journalists or, or somebody who had been on television writing books because they already had a following and a lot of times they didn't even write their own book. They hired somebody to write the book. Right. Uh, and then they would create a marketplace. But, you know, I think it was back in 2006, 2007, about 78,000 books got published a year. And now we have roughly, and my stats might be wrong on this, but we have 4 million books published a year in the United States. Wow. And it's because of, you know, platforms like CreateSpace and things like that that allow you to self-publish. And... Uh, you know, a lot of people just want to write a book. They don't care about getting in the bookstores. But for you and me and other entrepreneurs who, let's say, they want to have a speaking career or they want to be business people who want to be taken seriously, getting your book on the shelves of Barnes & Noble is incredibly important for credibility. And, uh, you, you know, when we were in the green room earlier, Lee, you were discussing a little bit about this, but, like, you feel all entrepreneurs should at least write a book. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, writing a book is the best way to get your unique idea to, to more people. I mean, even a blog or a podcast, which is so common for entrepreneurs to do these days, like it's so saturated. Um, and even now, like the ebook world or even like the self-publishing world where anyone can just publish the book on Amazon and get sales, um, it, it's very common and popular for CEOs and entrepreneurs or anyone to get that message out there. But at the same time, in order to like really stand out and stand above, like you said, if you want to get speaking gigs, you want to increase your speaking rate or uh, or, or get more credibility in the marketplace, or um, you know, you need a you need a publisher to, to help you do that. Or if you want to drive more money back 
to your business or you want to increase like the, the status of, of everything you're doing, yeah, a, a publisher is going to help you do that. Whereas um, something that's available for anyone to do and get their book out there is just not going to have that prestige that a publisher can bring you. Right. I agree. Right. And like you said, uh, in, in the past it was, uh, I mean, there was, lit, it was a hierarchy. There was publishers and there was lit agents with editors. And then there was authors just always trying to throw their the proposals at them and get them rejected left and right. And it was always the publisher or the lit agent choosing the author. Uh, and there was the buying power was absolutely ridiculous for the publisher and very bad for the author. So the author always got um, the wrong end of the stick. Very low uh, percentage of book sales through just distribution. So we're kind of, we have so far, we're starting to flip that on its head where um, authors are able to choose from a list of, let's say, 10 publishers who have already expressed interest in them. So the buying power is definitely going back into the author's hands. When you validate your idea with uh, a great-looking book and some pre-order sales. And, and let me let me throw this in. You know, some of you that might be listening, you might think, you know, a person who sells a million copies of a book, they must be sitting pretty. Well, you may not realize, but the publishing house may only give the author a dollar per book, mm-hmm. depending on the book, whereas they keep the rest. And if you have a twenty-one or twenty-nine dollar book. Um, and you get $1 per book, that's kind of not a great thing. And we're in a day and age where productivity and and being able to produce one of these things and have it printed and all this allows you to keep more of the royalties and and the the, uh, price per book sold. Uh, These platforms are exciting, and, and I'm just, I'm excited that Lee... Is, is involved in this because you've had an interesting road as an entrepreneur as well to lead you to this. Am I right, Lee? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, doing a lot of uh, doing a lot of writing and editing along the West Coast, and it's like for startup startups and and again the consulting firms and being around influencers and and founders all at, at all times. I mean, it just led into an industry that that loves these people. Uh, publishing loves influencers. They love. CEOs and people with like a large platform that can make waves. So I think it was just an interesting way to uh, to join this industry um, from where I've been before. All right. Now, Lee, my favorite Napoleon Hill principle of the 17, uh, maybe not my favorite, but one that applies to me the most, is learning from adversity and defeat. And I want to hear some of those adversity stories. First of all, I'm thinking your parents. Uh, you look pretty young. I don't know how your parents, how old your parents are, but they certainly would have preferred a job and a career, I imagine. Yeah. So there was some adversity there. And I'm sure when you first got started, even though it's a brilliant idea now, I bet at first there were some people like, are you ever going to make money at that? Or how's that going to work? I mean, that's that's still that, that's still a conversation that I have with my parents. I mean, I'm visiting... I'm visiting Grand Rapids uh, right now, which is my, my, my parents live here. Uh, in between, uh, I flew in from, from Kiev, and then I'm going to fly out to Peru in a month. So I'm here for a little bit visiting. And, yeah, we, we catch up on everything that, that I've been doing. And, you know, it's the same question over and over. Like, wow, this sounds like it's very fulfilling. You're very right. happy. Like, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of potential here. And, right. um, you know, but... Yeah. Well, when is that big payday gonna come? And I'm like, <laughs> right, right. you know, I don't. You know, sometimes you don't know. You don't know how to answer it. You just have to, you know, right. let them know that everything's gonna be okay. Right. 
Right, and they're not ex asking necessarily believing. They're asking, thinking about, would you like a few extra bucks, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> and so it must be challenging, and I imagine you have friends who are taking the corporate gig and working for the man and making a few dollars, and you know sometimes yeah. it's hard to resist the lure. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, even when I moved out to Silicon Valley after college, I was out there for a little bit doing the same thing. I mean, fun is startups don't, uh, don't pay. They, they do pay well, is what I'm trying to say. But um, there, there's not as much stability. So if the company's acquired or it fails, um, you don't have that stability. And you're, you're going back to like a very, you have to like uh, use your savings or you have low income. And, you know, there's always an option to, move out to the East Coast and get a job with a corporation or with a company that's, you know, done an IPO. And, you know, there's always a nudge from the parents in that direction. And I'm like, I just, I, I can't do that. Um, I know it's great and it's something that you want, but um, I'm just not going to do that right now. You know, I, I was lucky, Lee. I was surrounded by uh, entrepreneurs. My dad was an entrepreneur and my mother was an entrepreneur and my grandparents were entrepreneurs. So I was actually encouraged to do certain things. And because my grandfather was a musician, I actually saw how you could make money doing something where you played the drums, let's say. And that's a non-traditional way of making money. So it's scary for parents, I'm sure. <laughs> but you did take a couple of corporate sort of side gigs. I remember <clears throat> I was on the uh, – when Nate Smith of Smith Durant was doing those podcasts, uh, Lee was instrumental in getting me to meet Nathan and also uh, work with him on a, a blog and a podcast and everything. And you were kind of a, the major domo over there for a little while. Am I, uh, am I right on that one, Lee? Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say Smith Durant was a, 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 corp, like a, a corporate set. Uh, it was a corporate environment, I guess, but in no way like a corporation. It was kind of like a, an established business. It was a consulting firm. But it still wasn't that big. They still needed someone to come in and, and handle marketing and do lead generation and, and help with growth. So that's, that was what I would did. So I did become kind of a liaison between, um, between Smith Durant or, let's say, the CEOs and you know, people that weren't already in their established network like, like yourself. So, yeah, that did happen quite a bit. I mean, I think it's pretty common for established, not necessarily established businesses, but um, those that really – don't have a grasp on, on rapid experimentation or high growth um, to, um, like to to try new things or to be able to ex extend beyond their current network to, to grow their company. So I think that's what I, I brought in when I, when I went to that consulting firm. Right. Well, they definitely needed that, but I think, you know, this is the difference between boomers and millennials. You're more like commando. You know where you can take your laptop and do your work and travel and go here and go there and make your living as you travel. And that's a mind shift set and a skill set shift because boomers have gotten so used to, and even Gen Xers, going to a 9 by 12 office and sitting there and actually physically working that it's hard for them maybe to make this shift. And I think it's a natural way of working for millennials um, that you embrace. Uh, wholeheartedly, because it's the only way to work for you at this point. Yeah, I think there's just so many tools um, available to us. Like, I feel lucky um, that I'm able to do this, uh, that I, ha I can work from my laptop. 
I have skills to do so and then and make a living doing it. But then also, if I want to travel, there's so many co-working spaces out there. And co-working spaces are so amazing because they have these resources in the middle of nowhere that you can use to build and build your business and collaborate with other like-minded entrepreneurs. And it definitely wasn't as popular or they weren't as prevalent as they are now. So um, definitely feel lucky to be able to do that and that other people and industries are out there supporting this type of lifestyle. Yeah. I'm astounded in Manhattan how many um, uh, temporary spaces you can rent from for very little fees. Uh, like we have WeWork and Workville and all these things in uh, New York City where you can just you can rent a desk for a month. You know, it's like $200 a month for a desk. <laughs> it's great. Do you have those up in Canada? Yeah. Um, we have desks in Canada, yeah. We have desks, good. <laughs> More than sure. <laughs> They've made it up yeah, here. It is all about that productivity. I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is like a millennial mindset. I can't imagine that it is, but maybe... It's just more talked about now, but um, if all I need to be productive, if I only want to work 20 hours a week, let's say, uh, and still make a living is a laptop and a, a rented desk in uh, a shared space in San Francisco, then like, buy all, like heck yeah, I'm going to do that over going to a cubicle from 9 to 5 every day. Right. Now, uh, I'd be remiss. Ooh, look at me trying to use fancy words. Remiss. <laughs> if I didn't talk about... Journeys to Success, Volume yeah. 4, Millennials Edition, coming out, I believe, September 25th. How many authors you got, uh, uh, Brad? I know, Lee, you have a chapter in that one. I'm looking forward to reading that. But We have, uh, uh, we have 23 authors, and uh, they're all millennials, and they're all just like Lee. They, they break this mold that everybody keeps complaining about millennials in the media, and I get tired of it. Uh, where they say they're lazy, they're entitled, they're all these things that just, you're like, you got to be kidding me. Um, I've assembled, I think, what I would consider the A-team of millennials and Lee. Man, you, you, the stories you've told are just phenomenal. I want <laughs> everybody to get excited because the book's coming out next month, and uh, uh, th this is going to be exciting as far as uh, the type of authors that we've attracted in this book. Right. Right, and it's exciting to learn about millennials. Uh, uh, I'm way better since I met you, Brad, because I've even <laughs> said and thought some of those things that you said about uh, millennials. <laughs> and so I've since learned that they just grew up different. they a different generation, yeah. and now I know what their skill sets and their thinking is. So, so many things online and social media and other IT things. I have no idea, concept in the world, how to do it. So I am able to hook into millennials and say, hey, what can you teach me about this? And and some of them look to me for my gray hair and wisdom and experience. And sometimes I get to speak into their lives too. So I've become a lot less of a crotchety old man since I met Brad. Um Lee, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you've observed with the older generations that kind of maybe stump you as well? Um, but it's it's hard to say. I don't know if I spend a lot of time observing the older generation. Maybe maybe things that I'll run into here and there. Um, but it's, I think it's hard to say, like, moving around so much. I can say that I can definitely see... Um, the older generation where I grew up in, they're they're not as 
um, open to the things that maybe the younger generation are open to. And I don't know if that's even like accurate to say, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, openness I mean just seems to be to one. Yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but the, one of the things that you may not realize is some of the reality that millennials talk about uh, or even are experiencing, boomers um, don't even know it exists. So <laughs> they might be arguing, like your parents might be arguing with you, Lee, about what you're doing, but they're completely unaware. To you, they're, to them, you're just having fun. You're You're kind of a modern hippie to them. Uh, in some ways, and they're they're probably misinterpreting. And sometimes I uh, I say this to people because they they see boomers and Gen Xers even as working really slow. And right. not that we're working slow; it's we try to get our work done perfectly the first time. Right. And I think so your we, your parents are probably thinking more of what you're not doing than actually what you are doing because they don't <laughs> understand the what you are doing part, but they just know you're not doing what they think you should be doing that they did. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when uh, when I when I came home and I started visiting, we have these conversations and the conversations that I guess you don't want to have or you have to have them and then okay, <laughs> these are done and now we can go back to being normal again. Uh, but it just seems to happen over and over again. Like I said with Way back from after college when I, I didn't, you know, take a corporate job and kept going to startup life or, you know, when I decided to keep traveling around the world instead of, again, being stable and, and starting something with, um, you know, I think what I'm doing is stable and I, I love that it has potential to do, like, great things. But uh, I guess you're right. I mean, they don't, they don't see everything I see. Um, and it's, sometimes it's hard to communicate that and, and bring them on board. Right. And, like, I'm even advanced for some of the people of my age like i was at a bible study once and someone asked me so where is your radio station tower i'm like uh well it's on my computer in my home <laughs> office and so when you say you have a radio show people think you're coming out of their squawk box on their uh in their car that's funny <laughs> right. that is where's true. your where's your radio tower oh it's in my car let me go get it <laughs> but, by the way, Lee, how how do, should people get in touch with you? Uh, right. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, the best way to get in touch with me would be um, email. I'm at lee at publishizer.com. Like, I'm always on Publishizer, always talking to, to new people, not just authors, but um, anyone who has, like, a unique idea or story, wants to talk about, like, uh, the life of a digital nomad or, or one advice about this freedom economy that I've been hearing so much about. Yeah, um, definitely. And how do you spell publishizer? It's publish, P-U-B-L-I-S-H, Izer, I-Z-E-R, dot com. That's right. Lee, L-E-E, at publishizer, like you spelled it, dot com. In Canada, that's P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-Z-E-R, dot com. Yes. Same uh, same letter on the uh, computer. That's a magical laptop. place. That's Canada. It's so magical up there. Hey, go there, eh? <laughs> I, mean, I, I can't imagine America is the only place that we pronounce Z as Z oh, you and not Z. Most of the world pronounces Z. I just uh, was oh. at, at my sister's house in New Hampshire, so we happened to Google this. And you guys yeah, are the that. oddballs out on the Z. There part. are no other countries. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not right, right. <laughs> <laughs> You heretic, you. Yeah, wow, this, is, this has been really cool, Lee. Like, uh, I'm living 
kind of the nomad lifestyle, and I'm really enjoying it, but it has taken me quite a number of months to get used to that, hey, it's okay to read a book at two in the afternoon, or watch a pre-recorded show, or do something like that, and like, my boss isn't going to get on my case, and I will be working tonight, or, you know, some other time during the day. I break my day up into two shifts. I actually take a cat nap around 5.36 o'clock, and then I get up, have dinner, and then I'll, I might work till 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, that's how I break my day up. I mean, it just, I don't start at a normal time. Uh, and I, I've been freelance most of my life, so this adjustment was a little bit easier for me than most people. But, um, you know, you, you have to learn in this day and age um, to be your own hunter and your own gatherer. And not too many people are built to do that, but they're going to be forced to make that change. And that's coming soon. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, I think what I do is I split my day up somewhat similar to you do, Brad, I guess. I mean, I don't know about the cat nap in, in the midday, but I do take a break. Like, I start slowing down, like, three, four. I'm like, you know, I'm not productive. So, I, there's no, like, why try to work here? I'll wake well, up you're super young. early. You'll, you'll get that nap. In the <laughs> right, right. You, at some point, you look forward to the napping part. Well, hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully later rather than sooner, I can right. fill that time. I can fill that time gap with the net. Just as productive. But yeah, so, same exact thing for me. What What else do you want to share while we're on the podcast tonight? Because um, I find your story fascinating. Uh, I find you an adventurer, an entrepreneur, uh, somebody who's always moving and dodging. You're a great business person. You're wise. You're sharp. You're a nomad. What else do you want to talk about tonight? Well, well, first of all, thank you. That that's great to hear from from you specifically. Um, as far as what I want to share, I guess uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. We talked about Publishizer. Like I, I truly love Publishizer and, and and what we're doing and the people that we work with, the <laughs> authors. I think answer. that's great. Here's one you can answer. Uh, you seem to be a book reader. So, what are some of the coolest, most relevant, interesting books? Uh, that you recommend. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, the way I love to read books, I guess, since this is a question, um, like I always break my books up into fiction and nonfiction. Like I have to read, um, like I'll probably read two fiction books to every nonfiction, but I, right. I do love nonfiction. I read like so many, but maybe the most recent one I've read nonfiction wise is uh, Dave Kirpin. Dave Kirpin wrote The Art of People, and people have said that it is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie for, for, today's, uh, for today's society or wow. uh, for, for, for these times. So he pretty much like repurposed, like, and what I was saying earlier, like, it, like, I did read How to Win Friends and Influence People like a long time ago, and then I read Dave's book, and I'm like, yeah, I got the same exact takeaway from this thing, but I think he took the same principles. Uh, that Dale Carnegie had in that book, and he repurposed them for like today's people or today's generation, and it completely connected with me. And it was relevant, and uh, I can see why people like made that connection. So that's definitely a good read. Dave Kirpin is a, a like a three-time best-selling author, author, right. and this is his, his new book. So definitely a good book to to check out. Okay, I'm looking at it on Amazon, uh, so that's a good one. How about another one? One more. Um. I mean, a pretty popular one is going to be essentialism. Um, that's that's basically one for like productivity and finding focus in everything you do. 
Um, I mean, I kind of live by one specific book. It's called Traction. Traction is a pretty, I forget the author's name, but uh, I put it in my bag next to my laptop pretty much every day, and I'll read stuff out of it. And I'll use tips and tricks to make sure that um, not only like what I'm doing with like um, the, the company I'm working with or like my life, like it's basically how to gain traction in like via rapid experimentation and trying new things out um, and things that don't work before. Uh, try to try to try something different and see how that path works. It's like about trajectories to to reaching your goal. Is that traction get a grip on your business by Gino Whitman? Um, I don't, uh, I don't think so. Let me see if I can, okay. let me see if I can find a name for that one. Yeah, that sounds like a great book. How any startup can achieve explosive customer growth. Yeah, that's it. By Gabriel. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I mean, I, I, I read that one so much. I, I always come back to it. That's a good one. So those are two nonfiction books, maybe a fiction book. I'm always going to go back to like my favorite book, which is going to be a Stephen King. Um, and I don't like how Stephen King repurposes like every single book out there. He writes so many, but like he has some good ones. Uh, Joyland by Stephen King is probably my favorite book ever. It's kind of like this coming of age story. And I it just, it's, it's really great. Uh, I'm that way with science fiction. Uh, I like biographies, but I love science fiction. And I, uh, I've read Frank Herbert, uh, Heinlein, uh, just love it. Uh, and I even I watch a lot of science fiction too. I drive my wife up a wall. <laughs> you drive your wife up a wall in general, not just at the Dude, TV. Sci-fi box. channel again? Right. Yes, Are you dear. just a big kid? Yeah, right. that's probably such a big deal. Just like just like uh, crime stories. Like I used to be so into like crime crime TV shows. Crime mystery is so popular. I think the books are the same way because they're so intriguing. So, like, I think I've read every Michael Connelly uh, <laughs> book out there. And, uh, yeah, crime is, is my thing. But I think sci-fi, like, Brad, you must have read A Wrinkle in Time. I mean, that's just, oh, yeah. just timeless oh, classic. Oh, man, I right? love that. I read that as a yeah, kid, and I couldn't believe it, I, I, especially the ending. The ending is killer. But, uh, yeah, I love A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I think that that book might have got me into reading because it was so good. It was such a long time ago, what? but that's, there's no way you can't not read that book. Wow, yeah. I read it as a kid. I just I was like blown away. All right, guys, we can go on all night. Uh, yes, we it's, can. It's actually 7.49 p.m. Toronto time, so I'm old. It's getting to be my bedtime. I didn't get the nap. <laughs> that, I didn't get the nap <laughs> that I got this afternoon. And so, you know, I haven't had dinner. And uh, uh, But what a fascinating topic. I'm looking forward to the Millennials edition of Journeys to Success. Uh, if there's going to be other stories like Lee in there, uh, I want to read them and I want to find out more about what he's doing and what Millennials are. People aren't going to be able to put it down. i got to tell you, we've got... We've got everybody from entrepreneurs like Lee uh, to someone who's an entrepreneur who built his entire business uh, in the vegan uh, sector because he's passionate about veganism. Uh, have one woman who uh, had to get out of a relationship that was abusive, wound up in jail, and uh, now she has a spa that is uh, and employs 11 people. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on. We have amazing stories, uh, and I look forward uh, to it releasing next month. 
Amen. Well, thanks, guys. What an interesting show. And uh, oh, you got me all excited. Now it's 8 o'clock at night. I feel like I should go sell something to somebody or something. So uh, email Lee. At right. Lee at com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just reach out. And even if you're in the middle of about to do your book or you're thinking about doing your book, just reach out. Or you know someone who wants to do a book. Yeah, get started. Uh, yeah. Because um, from the time you have the idea in your head to implementation to launching, um, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Just reach out right now, no matter where you are in the cycle, lee at publicizer.com. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.